I will say I, I enjoy the, the old hymns of the faith. Amen. All right. First Thessalonians chapter 3. And we'll start reading. Let's go ahead and start reading verse 1. We'll go ahead and read through the whole chapter because there's, there's not many verses here. And kind of bring us up to date where we're at. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone. And sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer, in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter, having tempted you, and our labor be in vain. But now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you, therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for, for, um, for you, for all the joy wherewith for your sakes before our God? Let's read that verse again. I got mixed up with my glasses here or something. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly, that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, with all his saints. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege we had to be here this morning, the first Sunday of this new year in 2020. Lord, we, we know that we've got a clean, a clean slate of things we can do and we want to accomplish this year. Uh, we know our goals that were set before us. We know what uh, our theme is this year as a church. And Father, I pray that you'd help us to stick to it. Help us not, Father, to get... Uh, lazy and father just uh, getting caught up in the things of this life and the affairs of this life lord but help us to stay faithful and true father help us to continue on and run the race lord that you've given us and father i pray that you'd help me now as i look into your word and as it bring a message i pray lord it would speak to hearts i have nothing to offer to anybody lord but you do and i pray that you lord that you'd use this message and lord that you would strengthen the hearts of your people and Father, we'd leave here today, and Father, we would say that we were glad because we gathered together with the church today. Lord, I love you. I need your help, Father, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we looked at, we kind of had a theme in chapter 3, and it would have been, uh, we saw in verses 1 and 2, the investment of the, the pastor. We found, we found in verses 2 and 3, the interest of the pastor. We found in verses 4 and 5, the integrity of the pastor, and we looked at the uh, the pastor last week kind of taking uh, inventory or kind of taking stock of what uh, what's going on in the church 
And today I want to look at the intercession of the pastor, the intercession of the man of God. Uh, we find here in this chapter there's a pattern, and Paul gives us a pattern. Anytime there's a command given in Scripture, there is always a plan how to carry out that that uh, command. Uh, the Great Commission, we have the Great Commission. Uh, some people say that they found a new way of doing it, and you can do it this way and that way. But there is no new way of doing it. There's only the scriptural way of doing it, and it's God's way. God gives us a command, and then he shows us how to do it. And by showing us how to do it, he has done it. It has been done. And so I, I, I like that because it makes it easy. You know, there's been, there's been times when I've been told to do things. Uh, a, a good example is when you buy something at the store. You ever buy that cheap junk pressed board stuff? Yeah. Yeah, we all have, have we not? And when you would probably be better off just to go out somewhere and, and and cut down some trees and just make something, and it would last a whole lot longer. But, um, you know, we get it, and you, you're going to put it together. And you know what I've learned? That you cannot force anything in, when it comes to pressed board, pressed wood. It's it, You just can't force it. It's going to click together the way it's supposed to go. And if you think, well, I think that looks right, and you, you shove something in there that doesn't go there, guess what? You pretty much ruined the whole thing. And, and you know what? I have a hard time doing sometimes is following instructions. <laughs> I like to try. You know, the worst thing that ever happened is when they package something in a box that doesn't have pictures on it. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? If you can give me a picture of something, then I can put it together. I can make it almost look like the picture. <laughs> you know, I remember being in a, uh, a restaurant one time and this kid we were with, he was, he was, you know, struggling with reading, and the, the, the waitress came by, and, he, and he, she got her orders, and she said, what would you like? He said, I want that. And she said, well, what's that? He goes, right there, that picture. That's what I want. And if I had been her, I'd have went back and cut a picture out and brought it out in a plate and, and give it to her. But anyway, you know, I, 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 I like to have something that I can see. You know, if I'm putting the, we were putting together these chairs, guess what? There was a chair sitting there. We could put one together. Because it, and if it doesn't look like the other one, or if it's kind of going like this, something's wrong, right? We put them together, we're following a pattern. In the Bible, the Word of God gives us a pattern to follow. He gives us a way that we can live a, vic a victorious life for the Lord. So if, first thing I want you to see here in verse 11, the Bible says this, Now God himself, our Lord, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ, direct our way unto you. First of all, I want you to see, we, we see his pattern of prayer. Now, God himself, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ, direct our way unto you. Paul offers an example as well as instructions concerning prayer for the church. He not only prayed for them, but instructed them in prayer. As a pastor, I try to, uh, I try to encourage our church ever since I've been here, ever since I've been a, a pastor, that we cannot, we cannot pray enough. If there's one thing that we are all guilty of, if there's one thing that we are all, all lacking in our lives, is we do not pray enough. If there's one thing that this church, if you say, well, what's wrong with the church? What would you say that that would you wish that your church would do more? I would say, I wish we'd have more people praying. I wish we would have more prayer meetings. 
I wish we would have more times of, of going into people's homes. I cannot tell you. I told the men this morning in, in our prayer meeting this morning, I, 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 I cannot tell you how blessed I am that I, I sat there. I said yesterday, I just kind of over Friday or yesterday, I can't remember, but I sat there and I opened my computer and on a, on a picture, I said, there was my family. And I said, I just started thinking about it as I was praying, how blessed I am that I did nothing to deserve what God has given me. And you know what? Most of it I didn't even ask for. Oh, there's some. I, I, there's, there's some that I can take you to and I can say, this is an answer to prayer. You know, I, I like the other day, talking to Shiloh, and I was, she was just sitting on my lap, and I said, Shiloh, I said, do you know I said that daddy asked the Lord specifically for a little girl. And I told her the whole story. And I said, I told her how we, the, the doctors and they give us an envelope and how we open it as a family. It said, it's a girl. And, and I told her all these stories and, and I thought she was just, you know, going to be just like blown away. And she was about as much as a three-year-old can be. She goes, am I going to have a beard like yours when I grow up? <laughs> Listen, but there's things that I pray for that I know that God has answered my prayer. I pray. I, I remember the time when, when I, I started praying that God would give me a godly wife that I could serve the Lord and she'd serve the Lord with me. I, I remember uh, I was just telling the other day when we were at uh, the Andersons, I, I was telling them that, that uh, you know, how we started praying for a, a piece of property or a house to live and how we prayed. And I, I prayed for or I said, Lord, we'd like to have a place with 10 or more acres. And, and you say, well, then you must have compromised a little bit because the Lord only gave you nine. I, I know when that came up, I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And God has blessed me beyond measure. And a lot of that I can't even say that I prayed for. It's just God blessed us with that. We see here a pattern in prayer. Paul doesn't refer to his prayer as being offered to God alone. Have you ever noticed that? You know, a lot of times we look at scripture and we just read through it and we kind of go over things. But he doesn't, he doesn't say his prayer is offered to God alone. That, I, I believe that in his, of itself is powerful. In fact, we ought to pray to God. But Paul offers valuable insight here uh, into prayer. He addresses his prayer to God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. This confirms that God is not some distant deity of whom we have no access. As Dad was talking about in Sunday school this morning, it's not we need to kind of get out and find God. And I know we say things like that. We need to find God. You know what happens? You know what's wrong when you're trying to find God? It's because you've run away. You've lost Him. You're not living like you should be. You're not running your race. Because my Lord says in Hebrews, He says, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. But the first part of that verse, it says, let your life be without covetousness and be with be content with such things as ye have. Because I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know what? You know how we get the point where we think we're away from the Lord? It's because we start looking over somewhere else and we say, I'd like to have that. I'd like to be that. I wish I could play... Uh, uh, I wish I could play guitar like that, or or I wish I had that voice, or I wish I had that talent. I wish I could paint like that. I wish I could. You know what we're doing? We're stepping out of away from the Lord. He confirms that God's not just some 
distant being that we are trying to find that we have no access to. We're not offering prayers that we hope will be heard and answered. We came this morning and we prayed. And I don't think any of us were sitting there thinking, man, I hope the Lord really hears my prayers today. When you pray, we don't pray, and I hope the Lord hears me when I pray. No, he does, and he delights to hear us when we do pray. We have the privilege to pray unto our Father and our Lord. That simply reminds us of our relationship with the Lord, amen? It reminds us of our relationship with God and his sovereignty over our lives and affairs. The world talks about God, but they don't understand because he is our Father. We understand. Amen. Amen. We understand. I remember hearing a song that uh, the Shore family used to sing. I can't remember all the words, but it talked about, you know, people saying that God is dead. And they said, my, they say my heavenly father has died, but that just can't be because nobody notified me and my family and we're his next of kin. And I thought that's pretty good. Amen. No, God is not dead. He's not in a far off land where we, we have to call and get a busy signal. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. We have the privilege to approach the throne of grace in heaven where our Father and our Lord reside. We have that privilege, folks. We have that privilege to go to the Lord in prayer. And I think a lot of times we kind of miss up mix ourselves up on that. Uh, I, I think of Brother Osteen, I, I'd give this illustration before, but driving up the road and somebody called him and he said, yes, we will pray. And he hung up his phone and with tears in his eyes, he started praying for somebody that he had never met, but he prayed for him. That's because he knows that there's power in prayer. And I think it, we all know that there's power in prayer, do we not? But we don't use it enough. So we find here this morning, we find his pattern of prayer. We find also, number two, we find his purpose in prayer. Verse 11 through 13, now God himself, our Lord, uh, God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish We find here his purpose in prayer, verses 11 through 13. I believe these closing verses reveal the purpose behind Paul's prayers. They reveal that he desires and petitions the Lord for for the people here in this church and for his nearness. We find that in verse 11. He says, direct our way unto you. Direct our way unto you. He, He had not given up on returning to Thessalonica to minister to them, and he sought for the Lord. He sought the Lord for that. You know, the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 8, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Now, I think about this. The Bible says also in James that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And I wonder why so many people today, myself included, have issues with so many different things. We're going here, there, and could it be that there's some double-mindedness in us? Could it be to the point where we're just thinking about this and that, and we're going on and just some double-mindedness? 
A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We, we need to draw nigh to God, the Bible says, and he will draw nigh to you. We ought to pray that the Lord would draw us near to him as well as the church that we attend. Listen, when's the last time that you asked the Lord for this church and the direction of this church? And not just, I mean, you're greatly mistaken if you, if you think of the church as just me. Because if the church is me as your pastor, when I'm going, the church is done. And many churches have folded up and closed and, and moved along because that's exactly what it was. It was the pastor who was the church. We can't have that. It can't be that way, folks. He prayed his purpose in prayer was for his nearness. It was also verses 12 through 13 for their fullness, for their fullness. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. He was praying for their fullness. You know, along with his desire to return to them, Paul prayed for their fullness in the faith. We have, we've talked a lot recently about prayer and about praying specifically. And I believe that Paul models that for us in these verses. He prayed that they might be full, that they might be full. I, I, I know I sound like a broken record, and you might think that, that I might be pointing right at you. But I'm not. Listen, but when I say this about our church, I, I, it grieves my heart every single time that something takes place when the church is not 100% participating. And you say, why? Why is such a big deal? Well, you try coming to church this morning without your legs. And how would it work out for you? It wouldn't work very well. And you try turning the pages on the hymnal without hands. It doesn't work. If the body, if there's parts missing with the body, it doesn't work. We need to have fullness. We need to be here together. We need to be working together. Now, listen, don't get me wrong, because I know I always have to correct this, because if I don't, I know people can take things out of context. I understand when there's times when you can't be in a service. I understand that. I, I do. So I'm just going to say that. I don't need to go on any farther. Amen. But I think if at all possible... We should always be gathered with the church when we assemble. He prayed for their fullness. What do you say? Well, fullness in what? Well, we find verse 12 in love. He prayed for their fullness in love. He says, in the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. You see what he's doing here? You see what just happened? He's, he's saying, you need to love one another. And this is how you need to love one another, like we love you. The Lord says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You see what the Lord does in his, in his word is every time he tells us to do something, he's telling us how we are to do it. He says to abound in love. He wanted them to increase and abound in love toward each other and in all men as he loved them. To increase, it means to superabound, to exist in abundance. Abound as the idea of exceeding a fixed number, 
number to overflow. Could we not all increase and abound more in love for each other and for all men? Could not we determine in our hearts this new year that we're going to have love for one another? We're going to have the love that we need for the lost and dying world. Can I say it's not God's fault if we're not doing our job? Too many of us like to blame God. Well, why did God let that happen? God, listen, is in control. God expects some things out of us as his children and as his church. He wanted them to abound in love. We also see he wanted them to abound in loyalty. Verse 13, to the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable and holiness before God. Unblameable and holiness before God. Paul desired that they remain loyal to the Lord and to the church that Jesus had gave them. The Lord is coming. You know, the verse of Scripture talks about will the Lord find faith on the earth. Now, I remember years ago preaching that. And I remember Brother Eldon coming to me and it's like, boy, you sure stirred up a hornet's nest. And I was like, what did I do now? You know, I mean, just like every week there was a little something. There used to be a fellow who was in church. And <laughs> every time I was done, I, I got to the point where I didn't want to stand in the back and shake hands anymore because he would always come back and he'd go... Let me tell you what you did wrong here. I, I, I never got mad. I never snapped at him. I, just, every, I shook his hand and said, thank you. I'll try, I'll try better next Sunday. <laughs> More could you do, amen? But I remember Brother Elton coming and saying, boy, you sure stirred up a hornet's nest because you said that uh, there's several that, that left here last Sunday and said that you believe that we're going through the tribulation. I said, what? I said, what? He said, yep. He laughed and, you know, as only he could and said, yep, they think that you believe we're going through the tribulation. And he got the biggest kick out of it because I think he actually, the ones that were upset about it, I don't think he wanted them coming back. But anyway, they did. And I don't know if we cleared that up or not. They might still believe that we're going through the tribulation. They can go ahead. If I get their numbers, they can feed my dogs. Amen. Until we get back. He knew if they remained committed to Christ. Their lives we lived in light of his holiness. Lived in light of his holiness. Can I say, folks, God is holy. He is holy. I like what it, the verse I saw in Isaiah this morning. What, what verse did you give in Isaiah this morning? Can you remember? There was a verse. It was at 43. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't that verse. But it was another one in that chapter that I was looking at. <coughs> yes, it was verse 11 of chapter 43 in Isaiah. He says, I, even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I like what he says in verse 25. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and I will not remember thy sins. That's good. But doesn't that mean... I don't know, but but to me, when I read something like that, I, I just feel like how much I owe my Lord. How much I owe Him. I owe Him everything. I owe Him my life. I owe Him everything for what He has done for me. What a challenge for us to remain loyal to the Lord and to seek His righteousness. we also seen that He prayed also for their life. 
Paul wanted to, to wanted them to experience fullness in life itself. And they were not a people without hope. We are not a people without hope. And I don't, like I said last Sunday, and I think a lot of times so we, people look at us and they see we have <clears throat> some convictions that we hold to. I, I, the last thing I want to do is somebody having convictions because they're following me and what I have. Because they will not last. If I, if I have a conviction because I saw somebody else had a conviction, guess what? Guess who gave me my conviction? Somebody else. And if they come from the Lord, praise the Lord. Nobody can shake you on that. But if they've come from somebody else, you should be shaken on it. <laughs> you should lose that. If it comes from the Lord, it's with the heart. Praise the Lord. You're committed to him and not <coughs> man. We've got to be careful about that. He wanted them to experience fullness in life. They were not a people without hope. They were not following one who was unable to provide for them or secure their future. They could live abundantly in life of the Lord's coming and the resurrection of the saints. We, we think about what happened over in, in Baghdad and what's going on right now as we speak in the Middle East. And we think, man, that'd be terrible to live there. Do you know that there is Bible-believing Christians who are there right now, who are living their life for the Lord, who are fulfilling the Great Commission? Do you know in North Korea, we think about North Korea, I don't know about you, but I think a place of snow and darkness. That's just kind of what I think of North Korea, because I don't know. <laughs> I've never been there. That's what I think about. Do you know there's Bible-believing Christians that are shining a light in the land of North Korea, no matter who's in charge. We think we have it bad because, well, uh, he said this or he did that. My goodness, how spoiled we truly are and how blessed we really are to live where we live. Just several years back, there was a, a preacher from um, uh, Connecticut. I believe he's where he's at. And him and a, a few other men went over to Iraq helping different churches in Iraq. They were in Baghdad. They helped plant a church in Baghdad. And, and while they were there, they had been going over several times. But this time while they were there, there was a car bomb or a suicide bomber. And they got hurt. They were attacked because they were just going there simply to help God's people. Yeah, there's people there. There's God's people there. And they're doing what God wants them to do. Kind of makes us feel a little bit more responsible, doesn't it? And what all of we've been given. There's absolutely no reason for a Christian to live a defeated life. Zero. There's no reason for living a defeated life. We can enjoy the fullness of our Lord living and with the expectation and anticipation of, of the Lord's coming. It could be today. This could be the year. This could be the year. This could be the day. Man, we, the Lord could come before we have our afternoon service. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm ready. I'm ready. Paul has, has revealed his heart and his heart's desire for the church and that we find we can find great encouragement as well as, as a challenge regarding our lives and our personal lives, our walk with him. I know that not all are called to pastor, but all are called to preach. Preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We all need to have a heart that is filled with love, compassion, and concern. I read this this week. I don't know who wrote it, and I'm. I used to like to try to find out the author, but I didn't have a chance to. But it said this: We need the heart of our Lord. The work is solemn, 
therefore do not trifle. The work is difficult, therefore do not relax. The opportunity is brief, therefore do not delay. The path is there is narrow, therefore do not wonder. The prize is glorious, therefore do not faint. I thought that's pretty good. We need to strive to do our best for the Lord with a little bit of time that we have left to do as much as we possibly can. Dad said about the missionary in Mexico, and I was thinking about this. He was, he was talking about the missionary there and how he left with his family and said he was resigned to whatever the Lord had for him. I don't know about you, but man, man, kind of got hold of me. What if I got the news today that I'm going, that I might, this might be the last day that I'm going to live? And you say, oh, preacher, you're saved. I know I'm saved. But I don't really feel like I'm, I'm ready to leave yet because I don't think that I've done enough for him. If this was your last day, could you say, Lord, I've done everything I can do for you and I'm ready to go. As the Apostle Paul said, that's, that's what he said. Lord, I've, I've finished my course. Could we say that? Or most of us would be like, Lord, could you just give me a little bit longer and so I could do a little bit more for you? We have some time. We have our time right now. What are we doing for the Lord? What will we do for the Lord in the new year? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God. Thank you for your message. I pray, Lord, that you'd use it to speak to our hearts, to challenge us. And, Father, that we would face this new year for you, Lord. Lord, I love you, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.